right, children, I'd like you to come down if you would. Good, good, good. But inside, they're 
What? Empty. Empty. You have to learn not to be fooled by what's on the outside, but learn what's on the inside, even of people. And that's why you have to get your help sometimes when you're little from moms and dads. You see, sometimes it gets harder to figure that out. Now, that's part of what I want you to remember today. The second thing I want to try with you, and this if you'll indulge me a moment. This work? Good. Oh, my mic's off. There we go. Sorry about that. I never look up in time to see the sign. So there. <clears throat> anyway, I want to ask a different question. That's the first children's sermon. This is the second one, and you're going to give it to them now. I want you to finish this sentence for me. Love is. Love is. And you finish it. Who's got an answer? Love is what? Okay, that's, yeah, that's correct. I want to know what it is, though. I mean, what does it mean to love? Love means or love is what? How would you know if somebody loved you? How would you know that? Got one? Nice things for you. Do nice things, okay. How else might you know if someone loves you? They care about you. They care about you. How else would you know if someone loves you? Love is... Does love mean ever giving someone a spanking? Well, yeah. <laughs> a lot of no's up here. Does love sometimes mean taking your little brother or sister's hand so they don't run in the street, even if they don't want to go with you? Mm-hmm. Does love sometimes mean listening to your mom and dad, even if you don't always understand why they're telling you that stuff? Does love mean eating your vegetables because they're good for you? Mama's making you do it? Yeah. Does love sometimes mean that if you're doing something wrong, somebody tells you you're doing something wrong? Yeah. I want you to listen for two things in the sermon today. The first one is I want you, we're going to reverse it. The first one, I want you to listen for love. We're going to talk about that. And the second one is I want you to listen for how to tell what's inside somebody, okay? Now today, you're going to give a little love, okay? You're going to give away a little love, okay? going to be so easy for you, all right? You've got to come here, and I'll show you what we're going to do. Come on. you got to snack. Everyone gather around me so no one can see. All right, good. All right, this is our secret, okay? These are for you, okay? These, this, so everyone gets one of those, all right? Good. Take your tent, take your tent. Wait, I got, wait, don't, don't fight. It's okay. All right? I'll get the next one open. This one, there you go, there you go. Anyone need another one of those? Everyone got one of the red ones? Get one to the little kids behind you there. Make sure all the little kids have one. Everyone got one? Everyone got a red one now? Yeah, you get one. All right, all the little kids. All right, no, wait. Now here, you're going to go give one or two of these away, even to people you don't know. So everybody take two or three. Just, just two, you've got to give them away, though. You've got to give them away. Give them away to the big people. 
to the big people, okay? Now, wait, I got more. So I want to give them all away today. So you got to make sure somebody get, everyone gives some away to everybody. There you go. Good. Here's some more. Here's some more. You got to go give them away. Here's some more, honey. Take some more. There you go. Here, take a whole bunch. Take a bunch. Dad, will help you. <clears throat> give it away to people that don't have any. Give them away. There you go. There you go. Good. Now go give them away to somebody. Now, you can share if they don't quite get to you. You're going to say, I wish I sat on the aisle seat. <sighs> and I have more if you really are upset with me and you didn't get any, like one of the little kids. <sighs> I think I read somewhere, love is chocolate. So I thought, uh, Giardelli says it best, or whatever that crazy thing is. I don't know the name of it. <sighs> Uh, I'll eat this later, maybe. If I get now, I'll probably have a piece of chocolate on the center of my tooth the whole sermon. You'll stare at that the whole time. <laughs> laughing your head off at me. And rightfully so. Uh, Bill Hoffman sent me this thing in the mail. I thought it was fun. They asked uh, a bunch of... Uh, the age was, I think, five to eight or four to eight-year-olds, what love means, what it means to love, that kind of thing. Uh, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You know your name is safe in their mouth. Isn't that cool? He used the word schmaltzy, or someone used the word schmaltzy. I never knew how to spell schmaltzy. It's with a double Z or something, but uh, I like that one. That was cool. Love is when a girl puts on perfume... And a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> ah, the precious innocence of you. <laughs> Love is when mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. <laughs> I know my older sister loves me because she gives me all her old clothes and she has to go out and buy new ones. <laughs> um, I thought they were kind of cool. I'm going to read a couple more because I, they really, I want to kind of transition into uh, some of the deeper things. What does love mean? When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. You hear the transition I'm making right now? I want you to think about that difference that's important to me. <clears throat> love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you anything of theirs. Love is what makes you smile even when you're tired. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. And a sermon. <laughs> if you can't say it as good as a four-year-old, right? I mean, I, to be honest, I go, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. <laughs> 
Love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. Love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than Robert Redford. <laughs> Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day. And this one. A four-year-old child whose next-door neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife upon seeing the man cry. The little boy went into the old, man, old gentleman's yard, climbed onto his lap, and just sat there. When the mother asked what he had said to the neighbor, the little boy said, Nothing. I just helped him cry. Your perception of what love is impacts a great deal upon you. If you think you are in love, or you think someone loves you, or you are thinking that this love is so strong, and, and all those kinds of things we kind of get our minds running down the road for, it's not often that we think of painting somebody else's toenails because their fingers can't reach their toes or paint their toes anymore. That's not normally what comes to a young man or woman's mind when they say they are in love. They don't understand that depth of commitment. A four-year-old does. They see it. They understand. Love is going up to the people when you've got nothing to say and saying nothing. And having the courage to be there with everything you are and everything you're not and being there in their life. Love from that uh, four-year-old or six- or eight-year-old mentality is sometimes so much more crystalline, so much more clear than the clouded muck that we sometimes accumulate by the time we're 14, 18, and 25. And we think love is something else. And we get it all messed up and we don't understand the toughness and the delicateness of real love. <coughs> it's understanding some of those, those difficult concepts that the four-year-olds keep bringing out when you start recognizing it's giving somebody else the best even if they don't return it. It's giving somebody else the best even though you expect nothing in return. You see, real love changes. Your, your tone, your countenance changed from that chuckle into the sensitive seriousness that when you hear the wisdom of this little four, six, or eight-year-old child be poured out into you, you know what real love is. You understand it from a different perspective. And that four-year-old revealed it to you the depth of what real love is compared to the surfacey shallowness of what we sometimes call it. Now the hard part about preaching on a text like we have today is discovering the love of God in the middle of a text where you're being told very bluntly that there is this broad and narrow gate. It is not pleasant to hear that. We don't feel that's very loving to hear. I want to hear we're all going to make it. That it's all going to be okay. It's all going to turn out in the end. Right? It's kind of that I kind of want the story to end happy. And God says, well, it does end happy if you're paying attention to me right now. On the other hand, if you understand the broad way, and it's really interesting, it means the broad way. I thought broad way, broad way. 
starting to be as funny when you do this stuff sometimes. And you're all by yourself, you're laughing at things. Nobody else thinks it's funny. Maybe I'm the only one that happens to, but I'm thinking of the world and Broadway and all the stuff that represents. So Broadway, the way of the marketplace, is another way to understand the Broadway. It's, it, I remember going through a, a Pompeii, and the streets are all kind of narrow and narrow and narrow. All of a sudden, you open it up to the Broadway, which is the marketplace. The marketplace where the buildings are huge and the, the offerings, the materialism increases. You can buy all your food and, and all that stuff is in the Broadway. And you walk out and this thing just opens up into this expansiveness of space and green grass and all kinds of things. And that's the Broadway in terms of that understanding. And you walk out into that and you begin to understand. Here's God trying to help people understand something. Now, I don't know if you think this is love or not which is part of the question I want you to ask yourself. Is it love when someone tells you the truth? Is it love when they tell you the truth and it hurts? Is it love when they tell you the truth and it hurts and you're not sure you're going to be able to do anything about it? Is it love when you are being told the truth and something inside of you is shutting it down and standing away from it? And they tell you again and again in two or three different ways to make sure that you understand it. And they stand with you trying to help you out of that situation. Do you understand? Love doesn't always feel good. I don't think most of you would say, my favorite concept this morning is cleaning my husband's toenails. Or my wife's so I can paint them for her. It is not what you normally think of as love. But if you get over that initial flinch, and you start to think of it in terms of what it would take to do that, then you understand the, what love really constitutes and what really makes it up, and how different you and I can be, and how shallow we can actually be in our concepts of love. Have they really developed a whole lot farther? from beyond uh, what happened in somewhere, what, 8, 9, 12, 14, after you get past the age of understanding this, and you begin to think the world's got the solution to what love is, and that the, the movie is going to be able to tell you what real love is, and, and some 17, 16, 22-year-old guy really understands the concepts of cleaning your toenails and wiping the spit from your mouth because you're not able to do it yourself or taking care of you when there's no glory in it, and no one knows, and no one seems to appreciate and understand what you're sacrificing? You understand? You can talk about love all kinds of ways, like you can talk about your relationship with God. You can create that fluffy look good and be nice and bright on the outside, but inside there can be nothing going on. And so part of the challenge is Jesus came to the end of the Sermon on the Mount was trying to help people understand how easy it is to try and look good on the outside and be absolutely kids what on the inside. Kids. Candy kids. Looking good on the outside of the wrapper, but having nothing in the... There you go. Good. Having nothing on the inside. And so here he is challenging people with this awareness as he goes, please understand, the narrow gate means a gate that has obstructions along the way that are trying to push you away. You understand? It's narrow, not because God has made it narrow, but because circumstance and life and Satan is doing everything he can to move you away from that gate. It's not like God says, I think I'll make it so narrow that people will have a hard time getting in. 
No, it's because the world throws itself up and stands there coaxing you, come this way, come this way. And you go to watch TV and it coaxes you to think about love that way. And you've got to meander your way narrowly through these things so that you get to the right place. You have to have the wisdom to go in that narrow way. It means compressed or straight way, meaning the way that is restricted. You see? It doesn't mean like, oh my goodness, this tight oh, loose away, get through sideways, right? It doesn't mean narrow like that. It means constricted and limited, where Satan and everything is throwing itself up against you to keep you from getting in the way. And you look this way, and it's so broad. It's so empty. It offers like, so much of an easier path. To love like the world loves looks so much easier than loving like God loves. To tell people the truth like God tells them the truth is so much harder than telling people the truth like the world says tell them the truth. To let our kids do whatever they want seems so much easier than telling them no. It is that concept because people may not like you. You ever met those people that just want to be loved in life? And they'll do almost anything to make sure you like them or love them. And you get them in business or we get them in school once in a while. And you find out their greatest trauma is if kids or teachers or someone don't love them back. And what their real trauma is that they're so insecure, they don't know how to stand. They don't know how to be the people they need to be. And so they choose that broad way that looks so smooth that most people will love me for. And they walk down that broad way in their life because the narrow way seems so conflicted and restricted. And it puts pressure on us. God's not telling you, I am trying to do this to you. He's telling you. With what you're going to be up against, that's what you've got to be prepared to do. You've got to look straight in the face of this thing and know it doesn't belong to God. Because watch what he does next. Watch out for false prophets. They're part of the constriction. They're part of the thing that's trying to hinder you. They're part of the thing that's going, no, no, come this way. Think like this. Dress like this. Act like this. Talk like this. Listen to this kind of music. Right? And those false prophets aren't necessarily religious. They're false prophets because what they're proclaiming is against God. They're being bearing a false witness. No, no, this is where marriage is supposed to be. This is the way a wife should be. This is the way, you understand? And they throw that stuff out to you. you God wants you to be happy. Come on, God just wants you to be happy. Come this way. This is where the happy God people are. And you listen to a lot of stuff. And there's this appeal to it. It pulls us. It, it yanks us toward it. You're, you're sitting there with your friends and you're, you're listening to this logic and the false prophet is your so-called best friend. Right from the pit of hell, his mouth opens up and drags you, encourages you, coaxes you, smiles at you and says, come, join me in this way. It is much more sense. It seems so broad and unrestricted. Why limit yourself? Why limit what you can do? Why do you have that concept of what love is and what sacrifice is and what giving to people really is all about? Why would you want to obey your parents, kids, when you can follow me and join with all those hundreds and thousands and millions of kids that never listen to their parents? Look at me, I'm fine. Everything is good in my life. Come with me. And your good friend leads you down that path and it seems so broad. So smooth, so wide, so green. And this path over here says, honor your father and mother. 
even when you don't always understand. And practice integrity. Tell them the truth, even if it's going to hurt a little bit. Or a lot. Do you understand how easily we fall into the broad and narrow way? How many false prophets are around you and me all the time? And you can't just simply keep looking for, well, let's look for some false prophet who's wearing a collar. You've got to understand that people around you can become false prophets by how they act, think, talk, and where they move you. It all seems so reasonable, so logical, so understandable, if you understand the broad way. And so that's his challenge that says, watch out, be alert, pay attention. That's the word, watch out. It doesn't just mean it goes, they're coming. They're going to be there. They're going to be in that narrow path. They're going to try and restrict you. They're going to try and shove you, pull you, and do whatever they can. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Here it comes, kids. Now listen to this part. They come to you looking good on thee, but inside they're totally good. Now listen to the way Jesus put it down here in this text. It says, they look like sheep. Have you ever seen where a big wolf puts on a cloak, you know, like a sheepskin all around him, and he bends down on the horse, and he's looking and walking around among the sheep, looking like he's behaving like a sheep. But inside, what is he really looking to do to the sheep? He wants to kill them. That's the way Satan is. That's sometimes the way your best friends are. They don't even understand sometimes what they really are. They can lead you down paths where they're not even aware of how deadly and terminal they really are. And if you're not alert, those fake outsides will attract you. It's easy to fall in love with what appears to be good and what looks good, right? The broad way. She's so beautiful. He's so handsome. We seem to be so much in love. The broad way looks so good. And then you come over to the narrow way and the Lord says, does he love me with his whole heart? You shout, oh God, that's such a narrow way. I don't want to. You see how quickly we can find reactions and pull away. And he looks and he says, don't you really see him as what he is? Can't you see he doesn't belong to me? Can't you see she doesn't belong to me? He's not telling you not to love these people. He's simply telling you not to be deceived. Which is what I'm trying to help the kids. A two, three, five-year-old kid sitting up here today could figure out the difference between an empty wrapper and a full wrapper. They're smart enough to figure that out at two, three, four, five. The question is, are you teaching them how to see the emptiness and the wrapper of the wrapper of that person that is existing over here? Are you able to help them discern what an empty person looks like and sounds like so they're not attracted into the broad way that seems so simple and logical and reasonable to them? Because it seems to offer the solution to their problem. At least they won't be alone. At least somebody loves me. At least someone cares about me. At least I'll be popular. At least I'll be with these people or that group of friends or whatever the case might be. And so you begin to understand, here's Jesus. You've got to understand. Be alert. Watch out for. Pay attention to. There are many false witnesses. They come to you in the sheep's clothing, but they're, by their fruit, you will ultimately discern them. Recognize means to pick them out. You'll be able to tell the difference. Actually, you bring this guy home with a sterile horn, and dad goes, well, let's check out his fruit. Let's watch it over an extended period of time. Then I always love to ask the question, what would he be like, what would she be like, if you weren't dating him? 
Would they be busy at church? Would it be loving God? Would they be demonstrating a, a sincerity of prayer? Would they be acting upon the things of the fruits of the Spirit? Or would they be out doing something else? If they're out doing something else, the truth is they don't belong in your life that way. You understand? And so by their fruit, you'll discern, you'll, reckon, you'll mark them out. You'll know what you're dealing with. Can I love a false prophet? Of course. I don't listen to him. Do I necessarily join in oneness or any kind of serious that kind of relationship? Of course not. I can help guide them, maybe turn from their tracks, maybe lead them in a different direction. But at that point, I understand. So here it is. Watch out, because these people will be recognized by their fruit. And then he makes something very simple, which is a little bit uh, architecture, agricultural. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? That you got grapevines. The answer is no. no. All right. And does uh, uh, it says a tree that bears good fruit? Excuse me. Uh, and from thorn bushes or figs from a thistle? The answer, of course, is no. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Then he tells you what the final result is ultimately going to be. You've got this bad fruit person in your life. Here's the truth. God is going to cue that person down, pick them up, and throw them in the fire. If he is your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever they happen to be, that does not matter. They will be hewn down, and they will be thrown into the fire. It is the blunt seriousness of what God's trying to do. Do not, it says, do not enter into this kind of situation. This is the broad path. It will be important for you to stay in the narrow one, where it's more difficult and harder, because that's where you need to stay, and that's the challenge he's posing to them. And so, as he points it out, thus by their fruit you will recognize them, and it's not the fruit they produce when they're around you. I look really good on Sundays. I actually put a shirt with a semi-collar on. You know, that isn't, you understand? Some of you might dress and act and behave different in Sunday service. I mean, I haven't heard any of you use four-letter words, but I bet there's no one in here that doesn't know of you. I haven't, for the most part, ever seen you really get livid, you know, the veins stand out in your neck. I've seen people get a little uptight and mm-hmm, like this once in a while, like me and you and well. But ultimately, I haven't heard the real you, have I? I haven't seen the real you that she lives with. I don't really know what a nag you are because I don't experience that the way he has to live with it. I don't see how you talk to your mom and dad at home, right? I only can guess, or I can assume you never get upset. You're never petty. You're never selfish. You're never prideful or arrogant or... Well, the key, of course, is ultimately the fruit that you need to know in my life is not the fruit I perform when I'm around you and looking good, but the fruit I perform when there's nobody holding me accountable. The fruit I perform and live in if for some reason you were removed from my life. If we weren't dating anymore, we weren't part of one another's life, that's the real me. That becomes who I really am. And so here's God trying to work with this situation. What does he want? I want people on the broad way brought over to the narrow way. I know it's going to hurt. Come over here. I know it looks restrictive. This is where you need to be. That's where he wants us. And he wants the people that are getting caught up in this broad way to stop, 
walk in the other direction and change. Why? Because ultimately he's trying to let you know the consequences of staying in that path. That's the challenge that he's posing to us. Now, not everyone, here's the point, right? Not everyone, I'm going to add a few words, that goes to church, gets confirmed, knows all the right answers, and is able to shout, Lord, Lord, well, enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not the fact that you're in church. It's not the fact that you can give me confirmation or biblical or spiritual answers. That's not the criteria God's allowing you and I to establish. And he's looking at you and says, listen, here's the hard truth. I need you to know it. Not everyone who calls out, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, notice the repeat again, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform miracles? Three outstanding characteristics. I go, wow. And he throws back, then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. I have no idea who you are and what you're talking about. Depart from me, away from me, you're going to hell. Now, is this love or not? Does it feel like love? Well, no, it feels like, like this. But most of the time, it feels like that because I am in the broad way, and i got to understand that getting back in the narrow way is restrictive, it's confining, and Satan tries to throw things in my path to distract me and move me away. But the truth is, this one is going to end up in that ultimate destruction of my life and the life of the so-called people I love and the life that I'm trying to you know, walk away from, at least spiritually. This one, although it feels constricted, is the one God's trying to lead us to. Why? I want you saved. I want to uproot hypocrisy and consistency. I want to tell you how, how quickly you've got to recognize those friends that look like they're going to end up someplace good. Do not just see them with earthly eyes. They are the rapper. What you're staring at is that outside part that looks so nice in one sense that you can't see the hollowness and the emptiness of everything that they're going to be. What matters is ultimately what's on the inside that God recognizes and that's the challenge he wants us to be aware of. I need people who are real, not wrapped up nicely on the outside. I need kids who understand that I understand how the Broadway feels. It isn't like God's up there going, boy, I wonder if it's difficult to follow me when you go to school or college. Hmm. You know, he's not stupid. You know, even parents have to stay home, right? You have to send that kid off to college and you sit home and you pray. A lot, right? That's what you do. You pray because you go, I hope they learn. I hope they understand. I hope they make the right decision. And there's so many Broadway people in that place to pull them away, to attract them and distract them. And yet you have to launch them off into that place. And that becomes that burden, that challenge, that difficulty as we launch kids off into different situations and off into different schools and different contexts. You're just so aware sometimes of how stupid you were, right? Isn't that really part of what makes us fearful? 
I was so stupid at that age, I can't believe what I believed. I can't believe the things that I... This guy, when I was 18 years old, said to me, this girl, when I was 21, did this, and I thought it was, what a fool I was. Right? Two weeks, two months later, that thing collapsed, crumbled, and everything else. Like, And I go, I learned my lesson. Here's the mark, the scar, the evidence of the lesson. And here we are now working with our next generation, trying to help you to understand, do not walk in the broad way. It does not reward you. It curses you. It will destroy your life. No matter how it feels at that particular moment, oh, it's so beautiful, and there's so many lights, and look at all the things it looks like it's going to give me. Why would I ever want to go back over there where, you understand? And so many times you look at your sons and your daughters, and the reason your parents are so traumatized because they see you walking around with your mouth open going, but I love him. She's the only girl in the world for me. You get those bubbly, glistening eyes, right? And you're looking at something that you think is so real, and it's like the switch that flips on and off in Hollywood or on Broadway or in Vegas or someplace, and the lights get so sparkly, and you're walking down with your mouth open, the switch goes off, and you realize it's nothing but the emptiness and the shallowness and the distractions of whatever life offers. And so here's what Christ is doing. He's looking at you and me. Do not be attracted by the emptiness. Excuse me. Do not be attracted by the outside and miss the emptiness. Be as discerning as a two or four or five year old and be alert to what they are learning. This is empty. I don't want that. Throw it down. This next level is, I don't want that. That's a spiritual discernment. And you drop it, and you lay him, her, or it down. And you walk back where you need to be. And so that's what God is offering to you now. In love, for the purpose of rescuing, saving, and bringing integrity into my life and yours. God has a desire to not lose one of us. To not have one of us go astray. I don't want people on the broad path. I don't want them walking down that way. But you have a right to listen to the terrible things. If you want the empty wrapper, you can grab hold of it. If you want to spend your life licking where the chocolate used to be, you can do that. That's your free to do. But ultimately, I have something totally different for you. I have real love. I have salvation. I have hope and purpose and meaning. That's the challenge. Pray with me.